Aloha. Aloha. Welcome to the Mr. G Podcast. This is episode 12 of season two. Today is Thursday, January the 18th, 2024. It's about 65 degrees outside. I was just surprised it's already January 18th. So now you can say it's late January, early January or any part of my, of any month. The early part is from the 1st to the 10th. So it's early January, it's early June. If it's from the 1st to the 10th, from the 10th to the 18th, 17th, it's mid-January. But once you get to the 18th to the 31st, it's late January. So I hope everybody's uh, enjoying their 2024. I haven't made the mistake of writing 2023 this year. I'm happy about that. Uh, today, we're going to have a short podcast. I'm going to talk about basketball for about five minutes. I'm going to talk about the world events for about five minutes. And then I am going to read for my first book, the Bible, my first book, no, the Bible, the Gonzo Education, my first book available on Amazon and at Barnes and Nobles. Okay, so uh, world events. Um, I woke up and I found out that Iran is uh, at war with Pakistan. And if you see Iran right here, they actually have a border with Pakistan. They're not necessarily at war. They're just trading. There's fatalities on each side. They're just having skirmishes, I guess you could say, Iran and Pakistan. And... Uh, the importance to that is both countries have nuclear power. But in Pakistan has, has had nukes for decades. Pakistan's normal rival is India. So when like the colonizers like broke up India and Pakistan, like <clears throat> India is majority uh, Hindu. So I believe like the Hindus went to India and the Muslims went to Pakistan. Uh, but th there have always been rivals and both of them are, have nuclear arms. India has almost a billion people and a lot of people don't know Pakistan is, has a huge population. And you can see on the map, they're actually rather small, but they like their neighboring country, India, they have a huge population and that population is only, only growing. So they're in the news today because they traded missiles with Iran, who has one of the top militaries in the world. Uh, these events are some of the events that are going to lead the world into World War III. Uh, this, as well as uh, the issue with Japan and, uh, excuse me, China and Taiwan, and the proxy war happening between Russia and the United States and the Ukraine. Uh, these events, as well, you can't forget uh, Palestine and Israel, which is the uh, juiciest topic on social media. You know, a lot of... Uh, you know, woke signal, uh, leftist, uh, you know, uh, virtue signaling. Uh, what's the new thing? Well, the new thing is supporting Palestine. And the new thing is, uh, you know, uh, sweeping across college campuses, but they aren't aware of the other things that are going on in the world. 
Me, I, I am a journalist. I'm a writer. I'm a nonfiction autobiographical writer. And I call it as I see it. I don't take sides. Uh, I don't uh, rush to judgment. And uh, that's the way I do things. Uh, so I pray for the world. I, I get on my knees uh, at 4 a.m. on the street with homeless kitties. And I pray for the world and for the homeless kitties. And uh, we hope that some, some good is going to come out of this. Um, when you look at it, in my perspective, maybe I'm more evolved, but I just think all of the money that is put into militaries and all of the money that has been put into militaries across the world and all the money that is, is put it into borders and all the money that is put into walls and all the money that is put into nuclear bombs and all the money that is put into nerve gas and weapons of mass destruction. Okay, I'm just throwing one out there. What if we used all of that money to help and benefit humanity instead of hurt and, and destroy the planet? Why don't we use all of the resources, all the time, all the money, all the energy that us as apes have put into making these destructive weapons? And instead of making weapons, let's just end world hunger. Let's end world homelessness. Let's cure cancer. Okay, I, I don't think it's far-fetched to think if they took all of the money that has ever been invested, or most of the money, or a percentage of the money that has ever been invested in nuclear bombs and uh, country world armies, if they put all that money together and put it in the hands of scientists and resource organizations, do you think they could find a cure for cancer? I think they do. I think that would be a favorite. I think if you took all of the money that's put into destroying the planet and destroying other countries and hurting our fellow human. If you took all that money, you could invest it into curing cancer and stopping world hunger and ending world homelessness and ending kitty cat homelessness. You could do many great things, but that's why the majority of CEOs are sociopaths and the people that have power are the people that probably shouldn't have power. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Trump won the uh, the Republican uh, caucus in Iowa, the first one uh, that happened. The next one is in New Hampshire. And uh, the media and the, the big money was all pulling for Nikki Haley to do well, uh, but she didn't do well. And I believe Chris Christie only got 25 votes. My cat could have received more votes than Chris Christie. I could have found... 25 people in Iowa and like, hey, Keanu the kitty cat is running for <laughs> president. I need, I need your vote. All right. He may not win, but I want him to take over Chris Christie. I could find 26 people to vote for my cat Keanu over Chris Christie. Uh, so it wasn't a surprise. The biggest surprise of the night is uh, leading up to the event, event Vivek and uh, Donald Trump exchanged words, but then at the end of the night, uh, Vivek dropped out of the presidential race and put his support behind Donald Trump. Uh, so that was interesting to see. It, it's, it's a circus show and it's the biggest circus of any presidential election in United States history. No telling what's gonna happen. It's like the, 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 the calm before the storm. You know that Trump's gonna win. Uh, you know that's what the public wants. I've never voted for Donald Trump. I tried to in, in 2020, 
I, excuse me, I tried to in 2016, but I, they would not let me vote um, because my address was not registered as a, a living address. It was registered as a business and there was no, uh, <clears throat> and they wouldn't let me vote in person because all I had was a University of Texas ID. So I tried to vote for Donald Trump in 2016. It was the first presidential election where I was old enough to vote where I didn't vote. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is in Honolulu today. He's in Kaneohe. Uh, and he is speaking uh, at um, an event there. I thought about going and asking, what if Donald Trump asked you to be his running mate, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? I'm sure he wouldn't turn that down, but he's been talking about running as a third party candidate. In 2020, I voted for a third party. I voted for the G party. Later, I found out that was the Green Party. I saw it on the ballot. I said, hey, the G Party, I'm Mr. G. Might as well vote for that party. Something like didn't want, I just didn't vote for Trump. I've never voted for a Republican candidate for president. I voted for Ron Paul in the uh, 2008 presidential primary, but I've never voted uh, for a Republican candidate in the general election. In 2004, I voted for John Kerry. In 2008, I voted for Barack Obama. 2012, I voted for Barack Obama. In 2016, I didn't vote. I would have voted for Donald Trump. In 2020, I voted for the Green Party. I don't know even know who the candidate was. And then uh, here in 2024, I plan on voting for Donald Trump. It, it's so uh, uh, evil what the uh, big money, the leftists are doing. doing. They're donating to a Republican candidate, which they normally always donate to a Democratic candidate, a Republican plant for the Democratic Party, which is Nikki Haley. And they know that, that, that their current president, Joe Biden, and the vice president do not have a standard chance. So they're basically, it's so uh, evil and diabolical um, they know that Biden doesn't have a chance. So they're running like a fake Republican candidate that's really a big money, war hungry Democrat and uh, liberal. And the, in the top candidate, Donald Trump, they're trying to uh, like imprison for life with bullshit charges and, and just trying to make shit up. They're trying to uh, take advantage hijacked the, the legal justice system and the, and, and the powers that be have hijacked the FBI and they're trying to crack down on freedom of speech. And, and if they can do that to Donald Trump, they can do that to anybody. He's one of the most powerful people in the world. Uh, he's a former United States president. And if they can just make up some bullshit charges and imprison him for life, despite the public, the United States people wanting Trump overwhelmingly. He broke the record in Iowa, previously set by Bob Dole for the uh, best first place finish. And it would have been even, even better if everybody wasn't totally against him. The, the, the 2020, the 2020 election was the shadiest election in history. It wasn't done by like poll workers. A lot of the counting was done by like Facebook executives. Like it's it's re remarkable how uh, their 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 talking point is is just fading, and how they even tried tried it so long. Like, oh, if you say anything's wrong with the twenty twenty election, you're a conspiracy theorist. 
Oh, really? Did you read that Time News article where they talked about how all the social media companies and news organizations got together to suppress a story about hunting Biden? Well, that, among many other things, the whole Russian collusion thing that was uh, disproved multiple times, like history is no longer written by the winners, all these people with big money. No. And, and the public are realizing what's up. And I don't know if these uh, rich billionaires are worried that the um, people are just going to like, like have a revolution, uh, but they're building bunkers. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg has built a huge bunker here in Hawaii. Now I feel kind of bad about talking so much smack about him because he seems to be the most powerful man on the island. All right. He's got the, one of the most expensive properties that's ever been built on earth. And if there is a nuclear fallout and if I want to survive and be like, Hey, uh, Zuckerberg, sorry. I said all that stuff. Um, I, uh, I can be funny. I can dance. I can dance, Zuck. Come on, man. Come on. Come on, Zucky. Let me inside. Come on. I can cook you some great French toast. Mwah. Ask my girlfriend, Jamie. Ask any woman I've dated. I make the best French toast you would ever taste. Side of bacon, if you're into that kind of thing, too. Well, some people, you know, don't eat bacon. All right. But, uh, okay, so... Uh, enough about world events. Actually, we're having fun talking about world events. Why would we just talk about basketball, right? Uh, let's briefly talk about basketball. Who are my top three candidates for MVP? The MVP race in the NBA is down to three players, in my opinion. Uh, be, in, in, in the Eastern Conference, all respect to Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo, but they don't look like they're each going to play the minimum 65 games to qualify for the most valuable player award. So with that being said, I think the MVP race is down to three players in the Western Conference. Uh, Oklahoma City, Shea Gilchrist, Alexander uh, is, is leading the way, I would say, in MVP. His team is one of has the uh, top second best record in the Western Conference, not only a game behind Minnesota, um, and he is averaging, uh, you know, he's top eight, top five in points, top five in assists, and number one in steals. I believe he's averaging more steals than any player has in over a decade. He's a great on-the-ball defender, and uh, he's, he's a great leader. He has a, a great aura about him. Uh, he doesn't let anything get under his skin. I don't think they're going to have much success in the playoffs because they're such a young team. But I believe he will have a lot of success in the playoffs. So I got Shea Gilchrist, Alexander, Oklahoma City. And then I have Luka Doncic. Uh, he's having his best statistical season he's ever had. He's never won a Most Valuable Player award. Kyrie Irving is back. They lost to the Lakers last night. So the Lakers beat OKC, Oklahoma City, and the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas is probably like five or six in the standings. But Luka Doncic has been playing so well with not the best supporting cast around him. So I think if they get to the, uh, it's it's not uh, um, unquestionable to to it, or to see that to imagine them getting the Dallas Mavericks getting the number one seed. But if they finish with the number one or number two seed, I think Luka Doncic has a really great chance of winning Most Valuable Player. Now the Denver Nuggets, the returning NBA champions. 
Uh, Joker is leading the way statistically, and he probably will play at least 65 games. Uh, Denver will finish probably with one of the top few re three records in the Western Conference. But the media um, uh, doesn't uh, really seem to like Jokers too much. And uh, Nikolai Jokic uh, doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Uh, he's literally almost averaging a triple-double. Uh, he's averaging, uh, and, and his field goal percentage is insane. He's the best player in the league. And if you want to be fair about it, I would say give it to uh, Shea Gil. <laughs> Just give it to Shea Gil. No, give it to, give it to the Joker. All right. And uh, but all three of those players would be great for the uh, MVP award, uh, which is the most coveted award in NBA basketball. All right. With that being said, do you guys think the Lakers are going to make the playoffs? I don't think so. I'm hoping that they don't. I, I'm, I am hoping that the Lakers don't make the playoffs, that Golden State Warriors don't make the uh, playoffs. And, and I hope Bronny James fails his psychology class at University of Southern California. All right, that's enough about basketball. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying my podcast here. I love doing it. If you can see, it puts me in a great mood. It's only 20 minutes a day, and it's something that I really enjoy doing. So you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Podcasts, or on Spotify Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's in the podcast, Mr. G Hawaii Podcasts. Gregory Brandt podcast. I'm sure you can find it. And if you want to watch the episodes in their entirety, I upload them onto twitter.com slash Gregory Brandt and youtube.com slash Gregory Brandt. That's a YouTube channel that I don't normally use. All right. So today we're going to be reading chapter nine from Gonzo Education. This is called the University of Texas. The fall semester was about to begin and I would soon realize my dream of becoming a student at UT. For as long as I could remember, it was the only school I wanted to go to. I had excellent grades and some nice extracurriculars, so I probably could have gone anywhere else with a scholarship, but I've been planning this UT thing for years. Adam said all of my classes were gonna be full of rich white kids and maybe a few Asians, but I didn't believe him. I thought UT was going to be as diverse as community college, except everyone would be smarter. You're going to be the oldest one in every class, he said. No way. There's always a few people older than 25. The same community college, he said. I know how this works. Everyone in all of your classes are going to be younger with more money. So this is chapter nine of my book. I'm uh, 26 years old at the time of entering the University of Texas which is young, which generally most people would say 26 is very young. However, 95% of all students at the University of Texas undergraduates were under the age of 25. There were plenty of non-traditional students at ACC. I was a few years older than most, but there was always at least one person older than me in every class. During my first semester at community college, I had an instructor who asked everyone on the first day, who in, his, in here is closer to 30 years old than 20 years old? It was relieving to see half the class raise their hands. I liked ACC. It had a laid back Austin kind of vibe, but there were very few UT students who were actually from Austin. The majority were from Texas, but most were from the small towns across the vast Texas landscape. 
Austin is unlike every other city in Texas, so the people might have well as been from another planet. Some of the kids were from major cities like Dallas, Houston, or San Antonio, but even they were the kind that never left their wealthy suburbs. If they weren't from a suburb, <clears throat> then they'd come from a small Texas town. And either way, in my head at least, they were inexperienced brats who hadn't worked or suffered like I had. Texas House Bill 588, also known as the top 10% rule, ensures that the majority of students at UT are from Texas. The law guarantees high school students who graduated in the top 10% of their class, no matter how small, automatic admission to all state funded universities. The most popular school is the University of Texas and it's not even close. It didn't matter if you went to a highly competitive high school with thousands of students or one with a graduating class of 20. The law supposedly creates diversity, but it also guarantees that the vast majority of incoming freshmen are fresh out of high school. <clears throat> Over 81% of freshmen entering UT in the fall of 2008 were admitted because of this rule. It helps a particular type of student, one that's 18 and just graduated high school. If UT really wanted to create diversity, they should look at their student age bracket. According to their website, 95% of all UT undergraduates in 2008 were under the age 25 years old, and only 5% came from families that made less than 20,000 per year. The majority of students came from households that made at least 80,000 per year. So on the University of Texas website, I realized that I was not just older than all of the other students. Being 26, I was older than 95% of the students at only 26 years old but I was also poorer than all the other students. They, were, they all came from the wealthiest age bracket. I was about to start going to school with the children of the most elite. George Bush was finishing his second term as US president and one of his twin daughters had recently graduated from the same degree program I was enrolled in. I should have known how different I'd feel after years of homelessness and hard labor. It was obvious in my first class on the first day. I walked in a few minutes late to a full classroom and a few of the male students laughed at my arrival. I was caught off guard, perplexed. Nobody ever laughed at me at ACC. I don't remember ever receiving treatment like that before in my entire life. I may have been a few years older than them, but I couldn't see why that'd be something to laugh at. The rest of the day didn't go much better. I was the oldest student in every class, sometimes older than the teacher. I felt like a red M&M in a jar full of greens. I wasn't ready for people to make such a big deal out of me either. I didn't like talking in front of people back then and I'd get nervous. So I'd prefer to sit in the back and let someone else have the floor, not using every crowd as an opportunity to boost my ego. YouTube. That's what this podcast is for. <laughs> I don't got to talk in class. I got a podcast. <laughs> okay. Okay, I hope you like that joke. UT wasn't what I thought it'd be. And I was reminded of closed conversations and a particular kind of disrespect that I had not seen or thought about since high school. I'd learned a lot about myself that week, most notably how hard I'd become with all the different jobs, experience, and heartaches I had behind me. When my financial aid check came, I rented a room in West Campus. 
I always wanted to live in that neighborhood and I've been hanging out in the area since my first summer in Austin almost 10 years earlier. I'd been to parties there and I worked at one of the dormitories. But now that I was an official University of Texas student, what better time to live in UT's infamous party neighborhood? For years, I pictured myself romantically living in West Campus, but when it finally happened, it wasn't anything like I expected. I moved in with two roommates who I found on Craigslist post that said, party girls, 420 friendly. Their post caught my attention, but when I got there, I was disappointed to find that neither of them liked me. The proximity to the campus was good, but the bedroom I was paying for was actually a dining room and the only entrance to their filthy kitchen. The day I moved in, one of the girls started asking about my parents. I told her I didn't have any, and she said, oh, an orphan? I knew one during sophomore year and she was surprisingly normal. No, I'm not an orphan, I said. I'm like 30. What, you're 30, she shrieked. Well, I'm 26, almost 27, I said, calming her down. Oh, okay, that's a relief, she said. Don't fret, I knew a girl freshman year and her boyfriend was like 28 or something, ah. My two roommates would have their rich friends over day and night, despite some of them still being in high school. I was too old and poor for any of them to give me a chance. At least that's what I told myself. The West Campus party scene isn't a good place to stand out. I didn't fit in, but I didn't really want to either. These kids acted as if they were on a reality show, but in reality, they were just spending their parents' money on experiences they couldn't have had otherwise. I regret not having a better attitude. I didn't give many kids a chance or a chance. So how could I expect them to give me one? I should have tried to make the best of the situation, but I didn't even try to see the good in anyone at the whole house. It was always me against them. A couple of the guys were okay. One of them I can think of. He always tried to get me to go to some of the parties in the neighborhood, but I never went. The only friend I made in the whole house was one of my roommate's younger brothers. He was younger than they were, but for whatever reason, he was the only one I could relate to. They called him Shorty, and he had dropped out of high school, just like how I had. University students are obsessed with having a college experience. I remember hearing one of my roommate's friends bragging about how she maxed out her parents' credit card on cocaine. Another guy made fun of my shoes and the fact that I hadn't seen the film Anchorman. I could understand about getting upset because someone hadn't seen Pulp Fiction, but Anchorman? Their parents paid their bills and they had no idea what the term self-made even meant. The money I gave my roommates for rent never saw the landlord. They spent it on new clothes they bought in the woman boutiques that recently opened on the drag. The landlord was a royal scumball who dropped out of UT 20 years earlier. He was about 40 and lived off his parents' money in a house his father owned. The guy lived in the basement and rented the main part of the house to hot co-eds he tried to have sex with for discounts on rent. One day he wanted to fight me for no reason besides the fact he was drunk and didn't like me. The second I moved in, I had an unwelcoming feeling I was unfamiliar with. Every job I'd ever had, every new person I got involved with, and every person I'd ever lived with has always considered me exceptionally cool. Not like, oh, Greg, yeah, he's okay, he's cool but more like Greg, you are the coolest person I've ever met. So I didn't get why all of a sudden I was in a circle where I wasn't accepted. I didn't give, I don't give up easily, but after my first week at UT, I was actually thinking about quitting. 
for years, I wondered what went on in that in those architecturally stunning buildings on the 40 acres campus. But now that I was there, the only thing I could think of was going back to where I came from. I finally regained my composure at the end of my second week. I had a class that was canceled and used the unexpected free time to walk down to Shoal Creek. I hadn't been there in a while and I went to the same spot Michael and I had camped at years earlier when we walked to Austin from San Antonio. Everything was covered with debris, but I was still able to excavate a few old soda cans and candy wrappers. I dug a little more and found a blanket we fought the winter off with. It was covered with mold, but I looked it over and reminded myself that it was still there. Things got easier after I started to spend at least an hour at Shoal Creek every day. I made a little chill spot off the trail up a cliff behind a layer of trees and bamboo. This was my personal smoking spot for the remainder of time I was in Austin and a student at Texas. I'd sit there, close my eyes, and listen to the sounds of nature, nature passing cars, and myself breathing. The only way I was going to make it through UT was with meditation and marijuana. I could be alone, gather my thoughts, and remind myself that college isn't everything. There's much more in life than the experiences you have at a university. That is from the best-selling, award-winning memoir, Gonzo Education by Gregory Brandt, B-R-A-N-D-T, available at amazon.com and at your local Barnes and Nobles. Order a copy today, read the reviews for yourself. Uh, everybody that has read this book, has loved this book, has cherished this book, and um, I'm really proud of it as well. So. Thank you for listening to the Mr. G podcast. Uh, the Mr. G podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple podcasts, Amazon podcasts, Spotify podcasts, Mr. G Hawaii podcast or Gregory Brandt podcast. Do a little looking, you can find it. And episodes are uploaded in their entirety at youtube.com slash Gregory Brandt and twitter.com slash Gregory Brandt. Thank you guys for listening. And for me and my street cats, we bid you aloha.